Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the Theater Podcast: Intimate Personal Conversations with Theater's Biggest Names. This episode, my goodness, <laughs> Jackie Huffman. Oh, I'm Alan, by the way. I forgot to introduce myself. Can I be Alan today? Okay, you can be Alan. You can be Jillian today. All right, I'm Jillian. Woo! Um, Jackie Hoffman. <laughs> She's my favorite. I don't even know where to begin with this reflection section here because she is just unapologetically herself. Yeah. And I went into this interview. It, it was in her dressing room in between shows. Just she was in her little Hello Kitty slippers and like a bathrobe. And we sat in a dressing room. And I was I approached this like any other interview. <laughs> Big mistake. And quickly realized that I was just getting in the way of a stand-up routine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's her whole life is one standard routine. And I mean that with the utmost respect because she is just one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. Oh, absolutely. And and I mean, she had me laughing the entire time. Got me, got me out of my train of thought multiple times because she would just come out of left field with these comments that are just mm -hmm. her. That's her shtick. Yeah. And, and it was incredible. I saw Xanadu five times Did when you? it was out. And... Every show was basically just her improving and ad-libbing, and she would just go off, and people would sit on the stage for that one, and she would just pick someone and be their friend the whole time, and then this would happen, and then she'd do the song, and then she'd be, like, screaming and running around. And just She's just funny and original, and it, she is the epitome of comedy. It's fun. Uh, we got into a little bit, um, you know, like, she really gets her artistic creativity and freedom in these one-woman shows that she does, and she's got, of course, the one uh, coming up at Joe's Pub, um, my gosh, like it just, she just keeps adding performance and performance. Cause everyone wants to see her. Cause everyone wants to see her. Everyone wants to, wants to hear this. But, um, I mean, I, I'll just end here and say, all right, everybody continue on. Cause you're, you're in for a ride here. Uh, so before you get into it, please visit us at ttp.fm, show your support and help us keep the lights on via ttp.fm slash Patreon. And uh, visit us on social, theater underscore podcast on the Instas and the tweets. Tweets at us. The, the tweets at us and the Instas at us. Everybody, please enjoy this episode here with Jackie Hoffman. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This Emmy-nominated, Obie Award-winning actress can currently be seen off-Broadway in the National Yiddish Theater's production of Fiddler on the Roof as Yenta the Matchmaker. She has an extreme number of credits to her name, ranging all across the gamut of video games, TV, film, and of course, Broadway, which include Hairspray, Xanadu, The Addams Family, On the Town, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Her TV and voiceover credits include some of my favorites, 30 Rock, Strangers with Candy, TV Funhouse, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, Family Guy, Dilbert, 
Stewart and the film Robots. She's about to perform her encore performances of her one-woman show, Themeless, on August 18th and 25th at Joe's Pub. And 12th. You added another one. Well, the 12th was first, and we added those. So you're saying them all right, just in the wrong order. (laughs) Okay, August 12th, 18th, and 25th. Correct. Jackie Hoffman, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Thank you, Al. Nice intro. Thank you. You covered ground. We can actually sign off now. That was it. (laughs) Well, I asked for a bio from you once before, and you said, I'm Jackie Hoffman. I'm an Emmy nominee. Google me. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I've been telling everybody. Right. That's because I asked you to push my show and you're like, why would I do a thing like this? (laughs) Like I was some alien being from another planet. No, I said Why would I do this? I wanted I wanted just a little bit of something. Anyway. Um so Yeah, you interview me, you'll get a lot of something. (laughs) We're sitting here in your dressing room in between shows on a rainy day. We are. You're in your uh your little are those booty, like sleepy booties? They're Hello Kitty slippers. Wait till your Tokyo fans hear that I like Hello Kitty. <laughs> There's Hello Kitty all over my station. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, you gave me your Hello Kitty mug. That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was drinking from my Hello Kitty mug. Well, okay. So tell me about tell me about young Jackie. Where where did you oh, grow up? God. Aren't I young Jackie now? <laughs> I grew up in uh, Bayside, Queens, one of your five boroughs of New York City. Uh, Long Island Jewish Hospital, Uh, went to Jewish religious school, broke out of that in high school, started performing in the high school plays to avoid getting the abuse that I was constantly getting from mean girls and mean boys in high school. And then uh, the theater bug stuck. Doesn't, I thought the mean girls and the mean boys pick on the theater people. Oh, no, this was the this was the way you could look cool in front of those assholes actually. <laughs> so it it worked for me. All right. Well, did you do you have any siblings? I do. I'm the youngest of four. Youngest of four. And like I say in my solo show, everyone's on 23 and looking 23 and me and looking for more family members. Why? <laughs> you have enough. Yeah. Um, well, did the rest of your family, do they perform or were you, you're just They're artists in a different way. My, my late dad was, a was a great, a natural performer, the funniest person I ever knew, a piano player and a singer. And, um, he was also a great artist, a hand manual artist in the days of, he was a graphic designer in the mm-hmm. Mad Men era when it was when when Johnny Ham and those people were dramatizing it yeah and so the my sister and one of my brothers also inherited that gift no one else was stupid enough to get bitten by the theater bug but they're like hand drawy make things people so they're like and I can't do that at all I can't draw a stick figure so you're all creative you're all artistic in your own way yeah pretty much yeah. It, translate that to making no money <laughs> Nobody in my family makes money. <laughs> well, how old were you when you started performing? You said high school uh, or middle well, school? When I not when I I mean I was performing since I was a kid, not getting paid for the first time I got paid for it. I was twenty one, and it was a uh, six shows a day at Hershey Park in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yes, I was playing Jane Wayne in Shootout at the Trailblazer Saloon. <laughs> so you came you came from the theme park world. I came yes from the theme park. So world. did I. I I oh. can be there with you. Yes. 
I was at Bush Gardens in Williamsburg. Oh my God. Yeah. Were you in the shows there? Yeah, I did uh, the one man show with three people, strangely. That's a story um, called The Secrets of Castle O'Sullivan. Oh my God. Did you see the show? No. Oh. How would anybody see The Secrets of Castle O'Sullivan? I wasn't in that theme park. <laughs> it was 10 years running with a million dollar set and a Jim Hansen animatronic puppet, partially Whoa. controlled by one other person. And after we accidentally set off our or released our evil ancestor from uh, um, an enchanted mirror that's where the third person came in so it was a one man show with three people we rotated the roles and the, was the man the one man was Castle O'Sullivan Aaron O'Sullivan Aaron O'Sullivan yes yes ah and was it, was it a musical? It was. The magic of Aaron O'Sullivan Sullivan yes it, yeah it was a musical in the height of the summer we did 10 shows a day oh my god and, and did fun. you did you like lip sync to a CD? It was a track. The whole thing was the whole thing. The speaking too was a track. Well, right? it was an animatronic puppet. So once wow, once the ushers, there was yeah. really no stage manager except to to make sure the pyro fired. Uh, but once the ushers pressed go, the whole thing was just this big automated thing that like just King happened. Kong. Wow, pretty much. I mean, what, what was it? A, was it a giant leprechaun? It was always a leprechaun. He was like. Probably three feet tall if he could stand. <laughs> the only thing more creepy than a real leprechaun is a puppet leprechaun. Yeah, he was creepy. They're like the Irish version of clown. Clancy. Not funny and just creepy. Clancy was his name. Yeah. Is his, well, he's, he lives somewhere. There were two of them because he appeared on two sides of the stage. Oh, Clancy had a double. Oh, yeah. Understudy Clancy. Called Magic. That was Magic. All right. Um, wow. Well, that you, you, you just beat my... Shoot out at the Trailblazer Saloon to death. <laughs> Thought I had something. Well, you can take my story. I'll give it to you. Yeah, because they'll <laughs> believe that I was Aaron O'Sullivan. They actually, uh, two years after I left, they let a, a woman do it, and they changed the spelling of Aaron O'Sullivan. Oh. Yeah. Was it a woman of color? No, it was not. Oh, oh that'll be next. Well, the show's gone now. It's now some Lunch with Elmo thing. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, they totally gutted that whole thing. Wasn't Elmo notorious for, like, touching kids in the wrong way? Wasn't there, like, a Tickle Me? I guess what, maybe one of the Times Square Elmo. Tickle Me Times Square. Yeah. Yeah, the Tickle Me Times Square Elmo was, yeah. <laughs> was not a big seller. Because <laughs> they were uh, hugging people inappropriately. God. You know. I hate those costume characters in Times Square. They're disgusting. Yeah, they are. They're all freaking criminals. But I they come from a... Take their heads off and stab each other. <laughs> the, uh, I come from a Disney family. And you don't take your head off in front of other right, people. Right, right, right. So when I see them in their Mickey and Minis and Buzzes and everything walking around just with their freaking heads off, I want to just go up and be like, you're screwing up the magic. Yes, you're ruining the mystique. Right. And anyway, there's, uh, I guess, obviously no no morals or regulations out You'd there. You'd think since they're here illegally, they'd want to keep those heads on. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Um, okay, so back to theater here. Um, where did your sense of humor come from? Oh God, I don't. I, I think my late dad gave me that gift, and my mom's sister is like uh, one of the fun. I just had a I have a funny family. The, when, now they're tragic, <laughs> but they helped make me funny. I believe. Well, did you guys all just sit at home and and just 
make fun of each other or no riff on i each mean other, or? now i make fun of them on stage but no i mean they were you know like just they were just funny yeah is yenta uh taken from your family at all um i think probably just by by just being who i am and where i'm from i'm sure i incorporate some familial traits mm -hmm. i never uh, it's an old family not a young family and my three out of the four grandparents were dead for many many years before i was even born and i knew one grandmother for a few years by the time i knew her she was already kind of senile and elderly but you know i think i incorporate some of her a little bit was there any matchmaking in in your family like where you came from in queens because there's a lot of tradition still out there. My mother tried to set up my brother who was lonely and single until very late in his life, and it turned out to be a disaster. But that guy with anybody would be a disaster. <laughs> I just want to know what they say about you. Uh, who cares? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right, so, was performing. You were not performing for pay. Went through high school. And then did you go to college? Dang. What does that mean? Yes, I did go to college. I went to NYU Tisch School of the Arts. Mm -hmm. For performing, I guess, then? For yeah. 25000 a year. <laughs> um, yes, yes. School of the Arts. That would be for performing, yes. Yes. Um, well, did you do, was it an acting thing or like a musical theater thing? Or they what were you got the on? musical theater thing later after I left. When I was there, they would send, they would farm students out to various acting studios like the wacko intense people went to the strasberg studio the more haughty waspy people went to the stella adler studio and i went to something called the actors and directors lab that they just threw people in that were just tragic and they didn't know what to do with. <laughs> and that, how did that lead to second city then because you went to chicago that yeah that led to temp work uh, and then someone at, when I, in that temp world suggested that I contact them. And then I flew out there and auditioned for them. Oh, contact Second City? Yes. Because were you just sitting there? What were you temping doing? I actually worked for a now defunct company that the older people may remember called Ticketron. Yes. Which was beaten by Ticketmaster, who I believe still exists, oh, right? Yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. it was called Ticketron. It was a control data corporation. They, <laughs> Ticketmaster still exists by charging you like a million dollars for service fees. Yeah, I know. Fees. Well, they all do. They're all thieves. It's such a ripoff. It's a racket like everything else. Yeah. Well, service fees because they press a button on a computer. Right. Well, now it's, yeah, it's all automated now. So, okay. So you were temping. Oh, God. It's already so long and we haven't even gotten anywhere yet. We've gotten to so many places. We've okay. covered your childhood, and now you're now defunct. Okay, and temp the job That's the and highlight a leprechaun. for me. <laughs> God, it keeps me up at night, that leprechaun. It should. <laughs> uh, okay, so you go to Chicago. Uh-huh. Uh, Ha-ha, <laughs> Chicago. How do you, uh, you contacted them. Did you submit an audition? How did you, how were you like? I, I it said I'd be grateful. I used the word schlep thinking maybe that would be funny. And I don't know. I mean, I, then I auditioned, and then they, they said they would allow me to go to their training center, so like a work-study thing. So they saw some potential, whoever watched me and didn't hate me. And uh, 
then I went to their training center and eventually got funneled into their various companies. In in Chicago, so you were there the Chicago, whole time. Chicago, there's a touring company, right. and then the, and then you move up to the what's called the main stage and the ETC et cetera theater, mm-hmm. which are their two theaters in Chicago. Were you there at the same time as anybody that? Yeah, famous people who you really want to know about. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, if you're not going to name drop, I won't ask you to. She rolls her eyes. I'm not name dropping. Good. Good. Um. All right, so you are now in, well, okay, so let's go back. Um, well, I was going to skip ahead to Fiddler on the Roof, but I assume there was a lot that happened between Second City and now Fiddler yes, on the Roof. Yes, you read it all in the intro. And lots and lots of Broadway. Did you originally like come back and or d- get done with the improv and then say, I'm going to come back and do musical theater well, or actually, TV? Or? What happened was, I'm dropping this name, that Amy Sedaris said that her brother David had written a play that they wanted me to be in. So that was the perfect out because I had been there long enough and it was time to move on with the next phase of life. And a lot of people who did Chicago Second City went to L.A. to pursue that line of work, TV and film. And then I went to New York to pursue the much less paying, less well-known world of theater. But it was this play by Amy and David and it was so... Fucking hilarious. And it got like this show. It got extended and extended and extended. It was called One Woman Shoe. And it was one of the cripplingly funniest things I've ever done. It was off Broadway? It was a great experience. Yes, it was at a dump the- ca- uh, legendary cabaret called the La Mama. Club La Mama. The dump theater La Mama. What year was that? Do you remember? 95, 96. And so how long were you at Second City then? A long time, eight years. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a long time for improv. Well, I'm afraid to move on with my life. <laughs> uh, as evidenced by the fact that I'm sitting here right now. <laughs> I don't know whether to take that as a compliment or not. Probably not. All right, so then you get in, you're in this off-Broadway show with the Sedaris's. And they wrote it or they were in it with you? They wrote it. Who was in it with you? Oh, Amy was in it with yeah. me. Um, Jody Lennon, who works in television, she's amazing. Sarah Thayer, who's married to Mr. Andy Richter, and she's a brilliant author in her own right. The late, great David Rockoff, author, and I'm proud to say he was a friend of mine. Um, yeah. And, okay, so then off-Broadway, uh, how long between that and... and I, well, I, I started, I actually hooked up with a a, a gentleman named Kevin Maloney, ran a theater company called Tweed. And in their heyday, they used uh, like the great queens of the day, Lipsinka and Charles Bush, and they would do gender bending way before anybody did it. This is in the late 90s. They were doing all these gender bending productions. And then uh, Amy and I did a production for them and I kept doing productions for them. And that's how I helped develop my gay fan base. And um, then I think what happened is I think Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman saw me in one of those productions. And when Hairspray was in its like 12th reading and they were about to launch and pull the trigger and go on Broadway, they said, we need one person who can do a lot of small parts. And then I think Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman said, what about Jackie? And then then that started the rest is history. And that started the Broadway career. And that was 02, right? 
Yes, sir. Yeah, O2 hairspray. Uh-huh. And the original. The original hairspray. And then Xanadu was 2008. Yeah, seven, so, really. But lo- Closed in eight, started in seven. Okay. So then the five years between, or were you, how long did hairspray run? How long were you in that? It ran five years, but I was in it for two and a half. And what happened in between? I did, the first thing I did out of Hairspray was the first Tribeca Theater Festival. Of course, a lot less to know than the Tribeca Film Festival, but I did a solo piece by Paul Rudnick, which was better than the Leprechaun Animatron, if I may say so myself. Well, the bar's pretty low there. Cyril's Magic Cloverleaf, or whatever the fuck it was called. Okay, okay. So, you were doing that, Xanadu came, and then Adam's Family, is that... What do you feel really put you on the theater map? I don't know. Has anything put me on the theater map? Oh, yeah. Everyone knows your name. Oh, well, not that's not true. Um, thank you, though. I probably hairspray. You think so? If Yeah, if there was a map. You put a pin in hairspray, know, that was like the beginning? Really, yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's, where the, that's where the blue dot goes to the red balloon. Now we're at the red balloon. Yes. You drop the Apple map pin there. Google Maps. Um, Okay, so then you're going through going through all of that, and where does TV and film make its way in? God, I don't know how far back I can trace that. That's this is all so painful. <laughs> what I'm going through to promote a goddamn solo show—it's unbelievable <laughs> what you have to do in this business on a two-show day in between shows. I'm going through this, people. Uh, I don't, you know, it just, it started in Chicago, stuff around town. They would look at Second City people. I did, you know, little stints in movies. I used to have a commercial career. I used to have a voiceover career. That all went bust. What happened? The business went all celebrity, I think. Well, you're still, you're still well known. Not well known enough to get a voiceover in anything. Well, I... You have to be uber well-known now. Well, the social media game has a lot to do with it, I think. Yeah, I'm not good at playing it. I have very few followers on the Twitter. That's the only thing I do is the Twitter. I know. I was trying to find you on Instagram. Couldn't find it. No, all the kids want me to do the Insta. I don't want to, like, have to fucking take pictures all the time. It's, like, hard enough to be on Twitter. Well... What if you take screenshots of your tweets and post them on Instagram? Oh, God, that sounds so hot. That sounds so pathetic. <laughs> Will it work? I'll do it. Probably. I see people do it all the time. Actually, with your phones, you can type, or I think with the iPhone, uh, sorry, with the Instagram account mm-hmm. or app, you can actually type text and save it as a graphic that then posts on Instagram. But you could also take that text and put oh it my God. on Twitter as well. I'm very dizzy. All right, you'll have to write it down for me. All right, I could Google it. Write for it you. in an email. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, um, but you did you did TV recently, uh, Mamacita. Yes, my first regular role. Right on. Finally happened at the tender age of fifty-seven. <laughs> the Betty and Joan feud. Yes. Yeah. So that was that's it. Was only one season. What happened? Oh well, it was called a limited series. But it's gonna. I thought it was gonna do more. I was reading. I think, I don't know, there was a rumor that Ryan was going to do, Ryan Murphy was going to do a Charles and Die segment of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what happened. I mean, he's doing like 19 other projects. Right. So. But you just call him up. Be like, I'm ready for TV again. He knows I'm around. <laughs> Has he come to see you in Fiddler yet? Yeah, he has not. No? It's not his oeuvre. But I did do a guest spot on a thing of his recently, and I, re- I remember very little because whenever I have to wake up at like 6 in the morning, I'm highly affected and I don't remember much. 
I kind of black out. But I remember Ryan Murphy sitting across from me on a couch and saying, say something in Yiddish. <laughs> but you don't know Yiddish, or you didn't. Well, I, I just said one of my lines. Right. So apparently he knows about this. Well, yeah. it's Because I can't imagine him randomly pulling that out of his ass. Say something in Yiddish. The the show just hit its year anniversary, yeah? Yeah, we did. Yeah. It's supposed to be a six-week gig. Was it really? It was only a yeah, six-week thing? Yeah, it was supposed to be thing? six weeks at the museum. No kidding. That That's incredible. So it got extended it over yeah. and over and over again. Over and and over. then this is still an open-ended run here, yeah? We, they're saying January. Yeah. So I'm hoping that'll be the nail in the coffin. Are you are you over it? You want you're ready for the next no. thing? I'm ready for the next. Well, not right now. Maybe in January I will be. Right. Yeah, I guess that's that's a good amount of time. I mean, what that'll be like my family says, if I'm still here. <laughs> It'll be a year and a half. A year and a half at any role is a long time. Yes. What is it? Uh, what's the longest role you've done? Hairspray at two and a half, and I was ready to blow my brains out. Really? Yeah. Well, do you have a problem? You were saying you don't like to move on. Do you like to be forced to move on? Yes. I like to have something to move on to. Here's this thing I'm going to drop in your lap. Minimal effort. Minimal effort. I get that. I get that. That's why I'm here sitting in your dressing room. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of the recording studio. Um, Okay, so back to Fiddler here. Your anniversary extended uh how when did you get involved and do you know why what was the decision to actually do the whole thing in yiddish oh that wasn't my decision i believe that was uh zalman melodic our musical director had this idea i believe and then um he wanted joel gray as director Mm -hmm. and when did you get involved with the production i i don't know how long the idea had been germinating when they summoned me and how many other people Joel Gray offered the role to? I'm sure <laughs> dozens. <laughs> I imagine him enchanting around a cauldron and out you came. He summoned you. Yeah, with the leprechaun. <laughs> um, well, when was that? Because So this is a year anniversary. That means 2018, it opened. When did when were you involved with rehearsals and readings? Not, and way, not before. It wasn't like a Broadway production where there's a year of readings and workshops. I mean, it, was, it all happened pretty fast. It was like my manager put the bug in my ear, and then a few weeks later, I was asked to audition. And the, apparently, I was told the audition is just a formality. They just want to hear if you can grasp the Yiddish. Well, you you probably grew up hearing a lot of it, though. I did. Yeah, it was a yes. It but, was a big part of my uh, my zeitgeist. How? Why didn't your parents teach you? Well, my father came from a like a, his family was from the German side, so they were like practically Christians. <laughs> my mother came from a much more traditional religious home, and she would speak it to her mother, and she always wanted me to speak it. But I'm really like a lazy, defiant asshole, so I didn't learn it. And then when I got here, I was like, "Boy, am I sorry I didn't learn this." Was it hard? Um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, learning any role is hard, but it was very daunting, but we had a lot of great help. Well, how did you learn it? Did you have to did you learn the English and then learn yes, the phonetics? I uh, yeah, I learned it phonetically. Uh, we learned the Yiddish phonetically and we would rehearse it in English and then we would re- rehearse it in Yiddish. Oh, interesting. But I would just kept drilling and drilling and drilling and drilling. So could could all of you do an English version of it if you had to? If we had to, sure. I guess you could do anything if you had to. All right. <laughs> if you're paid Look enough. at what I'm doing right now. 
Um, <laughs> all right. Well, tell me about. All right. Let's get to my one person. Yes, show, I was going to say. Huh? Tell me about. Tell me about the one woman show. Yay! Themeless. What's that mean? What? Themeless. Well, that was when we just came up with it, and all we had was a title, but no show yet. So we kind of like themeless, mm-hmm. like seamless. And on the beautiful flyer, it's printed like the word seamless. Mm-hmm. And. Um, now we we kept putting stuff in and we kept creating creating and building and now it's like fake news because at, and at the end of the show I say well I'm sorry ladies and gentlemen despite our best efforts it looks like we had a theme <laughs> so we do but there's like a lot of funny shit and it was like like magic my show is all because I have a great director and a great musical director and they all come together. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you do you enjoy the the writing of of your original content like this? That's a really good question. I can't, I, I will put off writing to the point where I would like, let's see, what can I lick off the underside of the toilet? Like to delay writing, because I hate it so much. But then when I get going and then my director, Michael Shirelli, is such an inspiration that when we bounce off each other, the shit just grows. Right. And, you know, I, I don't have an imagination, so I just talk about life experiences, but do it in the most, the funniest most yet tragic, meanest, darkest <laughs> way possible. So I just kind of log, like the one woman show I did about feud, Memoircita, I kept a feud diary and I would read it like Jessica and like all this stuff. And so, um, yeah, so uh, like any other writer, once it's once it's written, it sure is enjoyable. And, you know, there's nothing more rewarding. Like this show we premiered, I do like original songs. I write the lyrics and Bobby, the musical director, writes these unbelievable melodies. And then um, we premiered three brand new ones for this show. So it's thrilling. And they all they all worked. Wow. Yeah, you it's sell, very exciting. You sell albums of the original music, too. Yeah, uh, there's one album. So Jackie Elfman live at Joe's Pub, but I've yeah. certainly written a, a lot there to fill out a second one. But like every anything, this is why I don't do Instagram. This is why I don't do any other projects because I'm like, you know, oh, so I'm going to have four followers. So no one's going to buy it. So this will be another thing I can fail at. So this can be another thing no one will pay attention to. That's how I, my approach. That's my life approach. Use it. Go out there. Conquer the world. <laughs> Assuming you're going to fail. Yes. That's you, how I. That's how I roll. Do you, that's why I don't do much. Do you really? You really think that? Ab- uh, yeah. All, everything you've done now, you still think you're not succeeding. Um, I make a living. Right. Well, you're surviving in New York. Yes. Which is not a cheap place. No, I have a. I'm rent stabilized, but not mentally. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tweet. Tweet. <laughs> I saw your tweets the other night. Or it was last night. You were talking about the guy, the homeless guy, combing the lice out of his hair. Yeah. I like oh. that you you you're basically blogging, journaling your whole your whole the existence. The walk home. Yeah, yeah. The walk home is intense, man. Up and down Ninth Avenue, which is a cakewalk compared to Eighth. Yeah. That's the one thing. This theater, you do the Ninth Avenue walk. Broadway, you do the Eighth Avenue walk. So I say that to myself. Well, you're not on Broadway, but you're not doing that Eighth Avenue walk. That's horrible. That is a special type of hell. Oh, with the tourists and, and the heat. Yeah, no, you can't move. Yeah, yeah can't move at all. Um, okay, so, themeless. Uh, do you... Is that your creative outlet, though? Is Yeah, it, that's yeah. where my real joy is, and that's where my black heart is and that's like those are the most satisfying and it's like what i'm restricted in a role even though i'm loving this 
you know, this is where I shine and you can really see all the shit I can do and sing and be, you know, it's like really viciously funny stand-up combined with original songs. So it's a very unique format. It's kind of like, they're kind of like one-woman musicals. Mm -hmm. Like the Killarney of Sistio Leprechaun or whatever the hell your thing was called. I'm trying to call <laughs> it back. I don't remember the name. Um, so yeah, like it's definitely the most satisfying. And you'd think I would do it more, but the laziness terror cocktail is what cripples me. So come <laughs> come see it when it happens, folks, because it's rare and it's damn good. How often do you do the shows? Like a like one a year, a couple a year. Oh, so that's yeah, yeah that's not very frequent. Sometimes I do you know gigs elsewhere. Yeah, and well, you were so you're originally only playing. I would call this it once. a tour, you know. Right. So yeah, but this was supposed to be one show, and mm -hmm. now we've added three. Right, right. Um, so obviously, you've got a following. People like you. A small one, but you're going to make it grow. That's right. That's right. Yes, so... Well, I don't know if they like me, but I think they're just in for the appalling, what is she going to say? <laughs> do, you feel, do you feel pressure about that? Like... Well, this is, interestingly enough, you know, now in the era, the, the comedy-crushing, humorless era that we're living in, we have one of the songs that we debuted was is called Join the Conversation, and it's all about how you're summoned to join this conversation, but that you can't say anything. And so the audience really dug it, and then there were points throughout the evening where they got, you know, and it never used to be that way, and it's really, the landscape has really changed, and it was very interesting. I mean, all, of my, all the shit killed, but there were things that, you know, there are some things I do where I deal with the anguish of life through, can you still say the words black humor? Can you say that? You can say whatever you okay. want. Okay. But that's how I cope. So some of the shit is so dark and so mean and so shockingly mean that when it got to a certain level, the audience would retreat and then we'd get them back. It was really interesting. Huh. Yeah, I guess yeah, you have to ride that because we're in a very sensitive time right now. Yeah, like. Way too sensitive. You think it's too sensitive? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, there's sensitive that makes sense, and then there's Twitter sensitive, which is self-righteousness <laughs> with no intelligence behind it. I call it the look at what a good person I am. Right. Yeah. Presenting your best self when you're really hating. Well, what you think is supposed inside. to be the best self, but you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. For the most part. Oh, yeah, the internet is horrible, especially when you get to, you know, YouTube comments or whatever the case is. Yeah, I keep it to a minimum. Yeah, I, you can't read them. You can't You can't read them. You can't get no. affected by them. Actually, I like when, um, was it Jimmy Kimmel has celebrities read mean tweets about themselves? I think that's... Oh, a, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of great. Yeah. You should go on and yeah, find some mean ones about yourself. Oh, and, I'm not enough of a name. Them. Kimmel doesn't want me. No, I mean, like, just start retweeting people. Uh, retweeting people that talk shit about you and call yes, them out. Yes, I remember there was, uh, after one of the mass shootings, don't worry, I'll be more specific. After the uh, the Parkland and the Parkland students performed 555,000 minutes on the Tony Awards. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I tweeted, all the other high schools who had school shootings are so jealous right now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's the reaction it's supposed to get. And then someone retweeted it and said, let's not forget what a horrible tweet this is. And it's like, there you go. And that's what a lot of, that's the, that's the theme of themeless. 
Oh, that's horrible, but it's funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's Jackie Hoffman. That's horrible, but it's funny. <laughs> can we wrap up now? I think that was the perfect end to a perfect day. Actually, yeah, we, we, can, uh, we can end it here. I've got three standard closing questions that I ask everybody on the podcast. Bring it, bring the it. The first one is, what motivates you? <laughs> Very simple. Being able to eat afterwards. <laughs> All right. And uh, what advice would you give to your your younger self, oh, your younger people now? Oh, God. You've obviously been asked this before. Oh, God. This is such poison. Um, stop thinking that it's going to get better. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> it never will and then the last question uh, if you could only see one show for the rest of your life but you can see it as many times as you want what would you see well that's easy it would be themeless at joe's pub august 12th august 18th and august 25th at 9 30 p.m <laughs> all right fair enough so we can find you on twitter at Jackie Hoffman 16 uh, on Facebook slash official Jackie Hoffman. Of course, you have your website, Jackie Hoffman. Oh, don't go there. Okay, don't go don't there. Don't go there. Don't go, don't go there. Hoffman. I haven't been there in years. It's tragic. But there's a couple broken links, I have to say. I yeah. was there. I was there the other night. Yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I haven't paid attention to it. It's like MySpace. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, you can get more of me in the theater podcast at the theaterpodcast.com. You can go to ttp.fm slash Patreon to show your support. And you can get more of us on social, theater underscore podcast, on Instagram and Twitter, facebook.com slash official theater podcast. Please give a rating, share with your friends. This is produced by Jillian Hockman, edited by Matthew Hendershot. And as always, thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. Jackie Hoffman, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This thank is, you. Uh, it was surprisingly a pleasure. I was dreading it. <laughs> Make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.